Benfica Podcast is one of the founding members of Benfica Independent. Benfica Independent is an independent platform made by fans for fans. And in it, you can find our podcast, along with many other podcasts, along with articles of opinion, video segments, and much, much more. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent, with exclusive contents for our patrons. Hasta que no estás aquí dentro no sabes la grandeza de, de este equipo. Sí, es un club que tiene una grandeza que no se comprende si no estás aquí dentro. Son de una magia única, benfiquista, que solo nosotros sentimos así. Por muchos desgustos que podamos tener, valores más altos se levantan. O valor mais alto que se levanta em termos futebolísticos chama-se Benfica. Quero o Benfica intimidar o adversário. Quero o manto sagrado entrar com vocês em qualquer estado. E todos, pá! É isso que eu quero! Everybody, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dolby Fika podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasic, episode number 473. And with me, as always, Cristiano Oliveira. Como é que é, amigo? Tudo bem? Não, pá. Tu fudido. <laughs> <coughs> I don't care, get it. You care uh, to elaborate? I have every possible microphone in my studio, off, laptop mic off, camera mic off. I have everything silented or or turned off. And yet, somehow, you guys are still able to hear me. This is scary, dude. For I'm as, scared. For as much as you're trying not to speak on the podcast, it's, uh, you know, you're just a force of nature. That's what it is. Government planted a, bu a bug. In my studio, direct connected directly to the Benfica podcast studio. <laughs> Alfredo, you are the mole. I don't understand how in the world I have everything off, and yet you guys are still here, able to hear. No, me. I don't. I don't think it was Alfredo. I think it was uh, your boy there, uh, Baqueiro, when he came from Portugal. He planted the uh, yeah, the audio device. Chris, do me a favor. Chris, do me a favor. Go outside right now. Look above your your house and see if there's a balloon. That, that could be a sign of something. It's dude, I uh, I'm flabbergasted. I I you know me, it's very rare occasions. Don't try to understand it. We all know you're te you're technically uh, challenged. No, Alfredo, you know that there's one thing I'm actually decent at is at the button pushing stuff. You know that. <laughs> I can dispute that. In terms of connection, you know I'm pretty good at that stuff. But for oh, this, yeah. you're, I'm, good I'm push, you're good at pushing buttons, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, also with us tonight, Dave D'Oliver. What's happening, Dave? 
What's going on, guys? Good to be back on. I don't think that we have... Well, from what I've heard, the balloon started and came across Canada, and we didn't shoot it down, but... <laughs> you, uh, did you guys even know that it was coming across Canada, or just... Uh... You know, I guess it made it it made its way from Alaska and it had to pass through us somehow and we didn't bother shooting it down and did you got guys, across the border there. Do you guys think it was just uh, one of Tom's Ford's uh, Tom Ford's I jinx balloon up in the sky? Maybe he's we, delivering some knows? crack. <laughs> he let the guy uh, let the guy rest in peace. He's uh, he's passed away now, but uh but uh, yeah, good to be back on uh, here tonight. And uh, like the uh, the episode says, we're picking up some steam, getting back into pre World Cup uh, form. I know uh, some Freddies already in the chat here uh, with uh, therapy time for uh, with uh, with us. But I think we really haven't uh, needed uh, therapy. I know last week was uh, definitely a therapy session with uh, the Enzo saga, but everything's hey, been going. The, uh... Uh... What's the op- well. what's the opposite of uh, of therapy? If... Ooh, a party! You got maybe I don't know. Well, party, it's, some it's joyous occasion. It's a it's, it's a, a party. Tuesday night dance party without the dancing part. And uh, here we are. Uh, welcome all the Freddies. Thanks for joining us as always. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm pulling you from the State of the Union address that Biden is given right now. I'm sure that we are a lot more interesting than Joe Biden. Uh, at least a lot younger. I think all three, all three of our ages combined, are probably not as old as, as Biden. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how the hell you guys are able to hear me Chris, with everything off. Hey. Chris, don't don't uh, don't worry about it. Listen, I've made an executive decision here on the podcast as you and Dave were kicking it back and forth, and uh, making an announcement here. You're making it. Go ahead, make an announcement. Making an announcement. See, what is that, Joao Mario's trophy? This is going to be the award we're going to be giving out every single podcast that we do. Every single <laughs> podcast? I didn't know I've heard that, this that, one man. before. No, but just I'm going to show them, and then they imagine receiving it in the mail. So what's what's and, the criteria? Actually, what's who uh, who wins that? What, what you know? What I haven't the, decided yet. I haven't decided yet, but just want to let everybody know this is the trophy. When I decide why we're giving it away, <laughs> right. so I just made it that we're giving it away. But are, I don't you, know. are you guaranteeing it that you're giving it away every night? No, no. Every no, week? No, because then I wouldn't have one for me. You know what I mean? It's just. So is it like I'm, a symbolic trophy? Yeah, you win it, and then you, you, you know, kind of like do like this. With nothing in your hand, you act like you received it in the mail. And then we'll Photoshop <laughs> it. Because if I were to send you my one trophy, then I wouldn't have it for me. So, but. But, you know, we're going to – this is the trophy, so you guys just get the gist of it in your head, right? The idea, the picture. We're going to be handing out this trophy on the Bifika podcast. We haven't decided for what, for what, what's the criteria. We'll make a decision as we go along. But this is the trophy, guys. We just want, want you guys to visualize it because this is going to be the – forget the Ballon d'Or. This is going to be the most sought-after trophy. Just want to let everybody know. I made that decision tonight. All right. What are we naming it? The, the, I don't know. <laughs> the Stianu. See, I wanted it's a trophy I, I, that I'm giving, but I don't know for what. I like the chicken fingers. If you guys recall, the chicken fingers award, but there's no chicken fingers here. I like the chicken so. fingers, man. Maybe yeah, you could, th- like, uh, make some chicken fingers and po- put them over the boot. Stuff the boot with chicken fingers, right? Stuff the boot with chicken fingers. Is that a hole? That'd be a good idea. That'd be a good yeah, idea. Diogo Reis says he prefers the chicken nuggets. Yeah, I don't, you know. 
Chicken fingers, chicken nuggets. To me, the biggest thing is is what kind of sauce you dipping it in. That's the trick right there. But anyway, Bro, I'm not I'm not a sauce guy at all because once you introduce a sauce to whatever the food might be, right? It's no longer about the food. Yep. It's about the sauce. I'm so with Christian on that. We might be in the minority, but I agree with you. You know, like the people that that eat rice. I don't agree with you. Know, I come over my house and I get a frungle with, with, with ribs, right? Crustellas and some frungle. I hope I'm not getting anybody hungry, but I get some some Stella, some frungle, and then they get the rice, and then they stuff the plate with rice, and then they get ketchup. They're, you're not eating rice; you're eating ketchup. You're not, it, it's like you're not yeah. going. Oh, what? the people that go over to the house and do that, or, or wherever I go to dinner, I go to lunch with a lot of my friends, and they do that, and I'm like, bro, why don't you just eat the jar, or just leave the rice to the side? It's less fattening. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's pointless. Once you introduce the sauce, it's no longer about the quality of the product you're putting into your mouth because you put sauce on any chicken finger is going to taste great because of the sauce. Yeah. The quality in the food is the chicken finger on its own. Yeah. Flavio's right. Let's get this Mifiga talk uh, started. Episode 473, as you can see on your screens tonight, we were going Flavio, to be. I'm about to know Go ahead, Alfredo. Go ahead. Today, uh, we're going to be recapping the Casapia game, which happened this past Saturday. We'll look ahead to the Portuguese Cup match against Braga at the Pedreira this upcoming Thursday. I hope everybody's excited about that match. After all, we got a score to settle with Braga from earlier in the season, our only loss in the season. But here we go. Casapia. I'll give you the lineup. We'll get started. Flacodimus is in goal. Ba, Silva, Otamendi, Grimaldo, Tino, Chiquinho, João Mario, Auschnitz. Gedsch and Nersh was our, our lineup. And Cristiano, dominating performance by Benfica in the first half, pressing high, recovering balls, really suffocating. Not I don't know I don't know if you could say suffocating, but definitely we kept Casapia uh, in their own half. They really weren't able to do much because of our press. Uh, and, and look, I, I was telling Dave before we um, we came on live that it, it feels that. We're, we're slowly getting to that pre-World Cup form. What do you think? I think potato, patata. You know what I mean? What you call dominating, I call monkeys. Right? I mean, they think it did exactly what they did. Because aren't necessarily monkeys. They're in fourth place. No. Come, come, come. Fourth is almighty sport. <laughs> come. No, they fourth, moved fifth from place, sorry. Yeah, they're, they're a little below that. But... Nonetheless, the team that played at the Luge, when was it? What day was it? I don't even forget. Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. The team that played at the Luge was, I mean, that was a pathetic football club. Um, I think Benfica was comfortable are, are the whole time. Uh, underplaying Benfica's efforts? Come on, bro. I mean, it's it's Casapia. It's Casapia. I've only heard of Casapia as an orphanage my whole life until now. They, all of a sudden, they got a football team. I never even knew they had a football team. Let's calm down. It's Casapia. I mean, Benfica did what they had to do at home. We're talking about a club that's challenging for the title in the Portuguese Campeonato, a club that's through to the knockout stages of the Champions League. They did exactly what they had to do. Everybody is going crazy about this performance, but yet they forget that it was against Casapia. Benfica did what they had. I didn't think it was a tremendous performance by any stretch of the imagination. Dave, what, did, uh, what did Porto do against Casapia and Sporting do against Casapia this year, Dave? Can you can you take a uh, look If I'm that? not mistaken, Casapia took took points away from Porto and Sporting had their way with them. But let me just confirm uh, that 
here. Yeah, look, I think Kazakhstan. Yeah, they lost three one three one two Sporting. They beat Braga one nothing, and then for Porto they drew zero zero nil nil. So in the run up of the game, I did say that Kazakhstan away from uh, the Jamor, which is where they play in the, the national stadium, had only lost twice in the first round. So Chris, that's what. It, but didn't Benfica play them in Leiria? I'm I'm not questioning what you're saying. I was confused. I thought wait, the Benfica played them in Leiria, but they played their home games at Stadio Nacional. Well, now they're playing their home games at Stadio Nacional. They okay. they came okay. to an Just agreement. To clarify that. All right, good. I'm glad they to came to an that. agreement. Uh, and also, people in the chat are saying that you should move a little bit to your right so you could be more on the center of the picture. It's all right. It'll... You're you're half you're halfway off the picture. Who said that? I did. <laughs> because I did tell you in the, before the show, make sure you get centered. <laughs> and the guy's like Phantom of the Opera. Half half his face is is seen, the other half we don't know who he is. <laughs> Wait, I moved. It's this disguise, you know. He's got his microphones turned off. He only wants to see I, half his face. I don't know, I don't know what's going Wait, on it's, in the it's studio. It's a mess. When I'm not in that studio, it's a mess. It's a mess. Right, I'm, I'm looking up at the TV. And I'm perfectly centered, bro, on the TV. I'm, I'm going off of that. I said, uh, look at uh, YouTube. He said, post Freddy. Well, listen, all jokes aside now. Yeah, go ahead, um, Chris. Go ahead. Honest to God, look, I, I'm, I, I'm being honest. Like, to me, it was a performance that I expected from Benfica. I understand that Casapi has, has, has done some damage throughout the season in Portuguese football. I get all that. It's but the relative team of the, of the season, if we may call him that. At no point did I ever feel Benfica was in danger. It looked like if, if you know, you're telling me they're in fifth place. But if anyone watched that game, is watching that game on Saturday, watching Portuguese football for the very first time, they're saying, okay, Benfica did what they had to do. But, you know, they're, they're playing definitely one of the worst teams in the league. Because based on that one performance, Casabia was not great at any stretch. I mean, and, and no part of the game. So I don't want to take credit away from what Benfica did. But, again, Benfica did exactly what they wanted to do. It's against Casapia, and you know me. I'm a person that is not very is not impressed very easily. So, um, you know, uh, I'm not going to sit here and do backflips. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pleased we did what we had to do. I'm pleased we got the three points. We've seen in years past that it was games like these where Benfica would have a big matchup coming up. Um, they'd somehow find a way to trip up, and they didn't. So, I mean, they should be applauded for that, but... It is what it is, man. It's a performance that we should expect to be Fika against these types of teams. Chris, uh, what were you more saddened by? Uh, Andrea Almeida's Spudida uh, uh, or Casapia's performance? Say that again because I'm reading many of all of Better saying, question. I'm, Did you shed a tear? Did what? you shed a tear <laughs> during uh, Almeida's uh, goodbye ceremony? Did I shed a tear? Yeah. Oh, did some of me say, come on, bro, that is a little bit too much? Because, again, again, not saying that the guy didn't deserve it, but when you compare it to what was done for the Capitão Girafa, yeah, yeah, right, that, that pales in comparison. So that side of me was like, wait, what caged? But at the same time, as I've said here, Dave, and you're my witness, and Alfredo and the Freddies, hopefully you guys have heard me say this before, and if you haven't, here's your opportunity to listen to it for the very first time, which is, I've said it countless times that whether we like it or not, Andre Almeida is in a is in a corner 
Instead of Museu Cosme Damião, a select few players in the history of our glorious club have accomplished what he's accomplished at the club. Whether we like it or not, swallow it, do what you got to do, drink a nice cold glass of water to help it go down. You just have to accept it for what it is. André Almeida has accomplished a bunch at this club, and he'll be remembered as a player that contributed to a very successful period of the club, and we just have to accept it. And one of the select few to uh, be, what, uh, Tetra? Yeah, I think it's one of six, I believe. One of six that was Tetra. Tre- tre- uh, tre- Is he the only was... uh, Portuguese player to be Tetra at Benfica? Easy, easy, pal. Pizzi was also yeah. Tetra? Easy. It was Pizzi, Salvio, André Almeida, Feja, Luizão, and Jardel. And Jardel, you're right. The magnificent, the magnificent uh, six. Um, but anyway, look, uh, it, you know, I, I know we're jumping all over the place, but uh, I, I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention something about Almeida's uh, farewell. Uh, I thought the club did that well, as as Chris mentioned, as in comparison to Luizão. Uh, Diogo is just saying that uh, Luizão didn't want it. Um, I don't know if Luizão didn't want it or if 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 at the time there was. Something going on, uh, but I, I, I thought that Luizão could have done the same. Uh, but I think that at the time, there may have been something between Luizão and the fans, uh, as occasionally we, we, we used to have that, or every off season we used to have uh, something with Luizão where he was going to leave and then he was going to stay. and you know. So I thought he could have done something like this. I thought it was beautiful. I thought bringing out the, all the trophies that he's won was great. 12 years, 15 trophies. I mean, that's that's significant. Um, obviously, he wasn't a, a, a key player in, during those years, but he was one of the guys. Uh, you know, he was a utilitarian player, uh, poly, polyvalent, as Cristiano likes to call him. Um, could play right back, could play in the, in the middle also. Uh, not your superstar, sometimes polarizing, but, I mean, when you look at the guy's curriculum, uh, you can't get away from the fact that he's won that many trophies and he was present at a time where Benfica was really at their height or perhaps the highest they've been in the past 20 years. 20? You're being generous. 30? Since 94. Since 94. So, okay. In the last 28 years. Yep. Okay. Dave, what'd you think? Listen, what, just, what'd... I'm sorry, Dave. Just to... Just whether Luizão wanted it, wanted it or not, that's fine. You respect his wishes at the time, but I think the club has had plenty of time since to do something for Luizão. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, and there was other players before or even in and around that, like uh, where it would be like from one day to the next, the player would burst in. I think like uh, Julio Cesar was one of them. I know Jonas had the preseason where he played a half and then he got uh, subbed off there too, but... I would hope going forward, but we also need to hold these uh, these uh, um, these ceremonies for for players that that deserve it, right? We're not going to water it down and have one every every week. But uh, when it matters, I think the the club should use this as an example going forward. Because yeah, that that Louisiana one was during the week and there, I'm pretty sure there was no fans there or it wasn't before a game. It was just some ceremony midweek, but uh, yeah, 
kudos to the club on, on getting this uh, yep. ceremony spot well, on. Let's here. keep this in mind, Dave. Let's keep this in mind, right? When we're talking about Toto Salvio, you talk. Let's just talk about the magnificent six, right? Salvio Jardel, Luizão, uh, Almeida. Who else? Are afraid of Feja and PZ, right? I believe with the correct me if I'm wrong. I believe with the exception of Almeida and Luizão, everybody else left on a transfer to another team. So they're still actively playing. Luizão was retiring. That's totally different. That I mean, when you're retiring, you bring out the, all the bells and whistles. And then Almeida, we don't know if he's retiring. We don't know if anybody wants him. So he might as well be. We don't know. But again, he's not leaving to another club. It was like those guys had to get their things together, get the family stuff together to move on to another club, to another country, to another region, right? Totally understandable with those guys. But with Luizone, he was retiring, bro. That's when you bring out the yacht, you bring out the car, you you know, you know, give everybody, you know, you give the guys the whole shebang and thank them for everything they've done. And again, I respect it. Like Alfredo said, he didn't want it. But I think the club has had plenty of time since to honor a guy that whether – you know, he he butt heads with the, with the front office in terms of, you know, requesting a transfer. Whether that was a negotiation ploy to get himself a better deal, better contract or not. At the end of the day, he still lasted a very long time at the club. He was captain of this club through a through the most successful period that we've had over you know, nearly right. You know, we we'll just whatever call it the last thirty years. I I think he deserves a little something more than that. It just my humble opinion, and and again, Andre Almeida is a guy that doesn't please a lot of guys. Yes, myself included. I was very frustrated at times that this that this guy was our number one option at right back. But you know, he's that ugly duckling that as time goes along. But is right? it is it his fault or is it the club's fault? No, it's the club's fault. It's the club's fault. Absolutely, the club's it's not his fault. It, you know, fault. I I heard um, I heard somebody, and and I don't know if it was Benfica Independent Rescaldo uh, or not, in terms of. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Andre Almeida epitomizes the lack of of uh, of in, of ambition uh, by Benfica in those coming years, uh, especially when he became yep. the number one right back. Um, and, and I'm I'm kind of, the word escapes me now in in terms of and Cristiano, you you say this all the time that the fans have settled for mediocrity for way too long and i think that uh, andre almeida kind of epitomizes that uh and i don't want to shit on a guy obviously the accomplishments are accomplishments but i think that he, he really became the face of of that of, of that lack of uh ambition Confident by the club, by the cop, by the front office. Right. He, well, he was a part of the the Mean Girls clique, was he not? With Rafa, <laughs> PT. Yeah. Yeah. He's I a mean, part some of that. So, like, that, uh, he's he's a great guy in the locker room. That he's he's great at welcoming new players and uh, and getting showing them the the corners of the house. I mean, great, great. He could take Shell's old job. But listen, uh, <laughs> I was I was fortunate enough, as you guys. I was fortunate enough, as you guys know, to have worked with Benfica, and and share the back rooms, uh, the back rooms of you know locker rooms, hotels, and stuff like that. Buses with with Andre Almeida and the whole club, as you know. And Andre Almeida was was a pretty cool dude, you know, funny dude. His teammates liked him. The guy's not a bad person by any stretch of your imagination. Obviously, there's been tons of reports about the little clique, as as Dave mentioned, the Mean Girls, right? 
there's been but there's also there's also been reports that a lot of that has been exaggerated that it wasn't as it it, it wasn't anywhere near as, as as close to to what it what was reported so look he was a cool dude we'll see what happens right with him going forward but you know i think the club right now is very well served I think he did what he had to do. And again, we can't fault a player. He's not going to turn himself in and say, look, Rui Vitoria, Luis Vieira, I suck. You need to get a replacement from me because I suck. It's the front office position. Exactly. He's doing his job. He's a professional. Whether he had the quality or not to be on this team is a conversation that we could sit here and discuss until the cows come home. But directors at the time, the coaching staff absolutely believed that he was. And it's more down to their competence, you know, to, to if they were able to do the job or not. And we saw once they saw Nelson Smith, right? Really, the the summer that the Baraka came down was that summer. I think I, we talked about it last week, or I know we talked about it in the last couple of podcasts. I mentioned it was the year Ederson left, Lindelof, Smith, and Mitroglu, and that was really the year that we all sat back and said, "Where's the ambition?" And and, and like from the club from the front office to the fans. It was as if everybody was just content with status quo. All right. You know, it's okay. We'll promote the kids from, from Seychelles and because every single one of them is going to be Ruben Diaz and, 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 and Renato Sanchez, right? <laughs> that's, that's what these people think some way, somehow, even now, like people are talking about when Enzo left to go get it, to go back and get Tiago Dantas or get Guga. And it's just like, do you guys not want, to get better, do you not have ambition to win games and to be competitive outside of Portugal? Because doing bringing Andre Almeida's and these types of players, you're just telling me and telling everybody else that you're content with competing domestically. But again, I'm going off on a tangent. I don't yeah. want to go that way. But still, Andre Almeida, look, he served his purpose, and and I, I think a lot of people couldn't stand them here towards the end, but at the end of the day, it's no fault of his own. I think the front office is a lot to blame. And we should remember the guy as a guy that was on teams that were very successful and say what you want, like him or not. He always gave his best. Yeah. Look, uh, <clears throat> yeah, let, let's, uh, let's get past that, but we, we I, I needed to, to mention that. And I'm sorry that we kind of, that I, that I slotted that in, in between us talking about the Casapia game, but, but certainly, as as we watch this Casapia game and we watch Mefica's performance, and regardless of whether Casapia gave Mefica a fight or not, uh, there, there's 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 encouraging progress from Mefica. And not that the team was in the dumps, but after the World Cup, uh, we saw a little bit of a, a decline from what we had seen pre World Cup. So certainly, seeing the team again gain confidence and be on top again. Or inching close to that moment of form that we saw prior to the World Cup, it's encouraging. And and as I look at this team, that's that's what I see. I'm not happy with Chiquinho in the middle. And I know that there's a lot of people giving plaudits to Chiquinho and praising Chiquinho for the game that he had. I don't. I still don't think that Chiquinho is the man that we need in that middle. I still think that Auschwitz is the guy that's going to end up there. Hopefully with Rafa. Uh, being healthy, uh, that happened. That that comes uh, a reality. But certainly, I don't. I think that Chiquinho is good to come off the bench to play a role here and there to close up a hole in the midfield. But in terms of being the one guy in Benfica's midfield, especially when Benfica has aspirations of going further in the Champions League plus, past Club Bruges, right? Uh, I don't think that Chiquinho's that guy. And, and you know, I, I kind of laugh it off in terms of how much people 
are are uh, are praising Chiquinho, uh, and I don't really think that the guy was that exceptional. Cristiano, I know that you're a huge fan of Chiquinho. Go to Dave. Go to Dave. Go Dave. to Dave. I, I, I pass. I pass. You pass. I didn't, I didn't watch enough of the game to to analyze Chiquinho's performance. I, I did cl- catch the clip later on after the game of the – the fans chanting uh, who is Enzo or whatever, and they were saying Shikingu, which I, I thought it was a little... I, I laughed at it. I'm sure... I think people are praising it more on the fact to just get a dig at at uh, Enzo, or at least I would hope so. And I don't think anybody within this club would say that Shikingu is the like-for-like replacement for, for Enzo. He's there right now out of necessity with the injuries like uh, you've mentioned, but... With these guys coming back healthy, I don't see that being his full time. I don't, I don't uh, understand that whole movement of here. calling him Shikenzo or Kenzo Genesepa. Alfredo, here's the thing. What's the well, thing? I think people are having fun with it. Right? I think, okay, yeah, I get it. it is. I get it. But it, it is. I enjoy the song. I mean, it's funny, right? I, I'm having a laugh at it myself. I'm having a laugh at it myself. It's just crazy how a song from my boy Pereira, now everybody, Rui Cortes, <laughs> it's just amazing what that song's done. But to get back on the Shikinho, I think I think people are just having a lot of fun with it. But here's the sad part. This is, to me, you know, I'm, I'm a guy, <laughs> you know, I get irritated a lot and, and easily. And... I have no problem admitting it. But the thing that's annoying me, it's just that there are there are actual Benfica fans out there who are believing in falling into this trap that, yo, look at what we've done against Aroca. Look at what we've done against Casapia with Chiquinho. And look, I don't want this to be a knock on Chiquinho because credit to him, he's Taking advantage of his opportunities, regardless of what the competition is, he can only can only play against competitions in front of you, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's looked good at times. He's done what he's had to do. He's done what any Benfica player should do against this level of competition, the Arocas of the world and the Casapis of the world. So I don't want to sit here and knock on a guy that's been nothing but a total professional, right? I've questioned his quality for years now. We all know this. Right, but the sad part is that there are actual fans out there who are falling in this trap, and that are believing that this is the answer, and it's scary, right? Because you'd like to think that people are smarter than that. It's very scary. I mean, I just hope that the club doesn't believe in that. But I believe at the end of the day, or or we can fool one of the these uh, European sharks to come and pay Shikingu for a hundred million too. Maybe that's what uh, we gotta try to do yeah look we got enzo's replacement here shikingu come by him chelsea but i would like to think that come thursday against sporting braga in the tasa tasa portugal match at the padreira right things at the padreira right yeah. it's there right yeah. Yeah. if again this is a huge if right if gonzal rums is back if raf is back if gonzal gets his health if david the Viners is health if João Mario is healthy, if Arsenal is healthy, those are six players for five positions. That's not even including Chiquinho, which makes it seven for five. I, I, I like to think that uh, if you're going to bench any one of those guys 
to start shooting you in a game like this that we absolutely have to win because of how dreadful we've been in this competition over the last 30, 40 years, right? Then I'll be worried. Then I'll be worried. But I don't think that's the case. I think I think that he's look, he's doing his job. He's doing what the coaches are asking him to do. Credit to him. He's good at what he does between the arsonists of the worlds. And Joel Mario has a little bit more of those qualities that I'm about to refer. But he's able to come back, get the ball, get in between the lines, and start the process of building up play. He's probably got more of that in his feet than an arsonist does. Arsonist does a better job of applying pressure and, and better on the defensive side of things. And therefore, he's decided to play Arsenal a little bit more up the field because they want to trap in the fullbacks of the opposition as far into their own zone as much as possible. Maybe there's a something there's something there with that. But at the end of the day, as I mentioned, with all seven guys healthy and ready to roll, right? He's number seven out of seven. So yeah, um, we'll see what happens. Look, I just and when he does play, he continues his good performances. But we should really, Alfredo. Yeah. Who's- I mean, the, the thing is that I can the only way I can rationalize him starting is if um, if Roger Schmidt wants to to balance the midfield. Right. Uh, with Auschwitz on the, on the side. Right. Because you can have uh, Rafa, Nerj, Gedj, uh, uh, Ramush uh, and Nerj uh, just going gung ho up front and not have anybody to balance the midfield. That's the only way I can rationalize that. But, I mean, we'll see. Uh, so far, Roger Schmidt hasn't really uh, put a foot wrong. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, just yeah. getting back to the game here real quick. And and uh, Nunu M, I'll, uh, we'll answer that question. I'll try to answer that question uh, towards the end of the podcast. Dave, don't let me forget to answer Nunu M. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say to you guys real quick before we continue with this we will be discussing uh, Rui Costa's interview, not in depth, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll go through the some of the things that he that he said. So João Mario uh, in the 35th minute, uh, João Mario again in the 44th, 43rd minute with assists from Neres and Grimaldo respectively. Benfica goes into the half uh, two nothing, uh, dominating the game, possession, uh, pressing as I mentioned, and pushing Casapia into their own half. So really, uh, everything. Second half, Benfica managed the game, more of that uh, control of the ball. Uh, Casapia didn't make some changes, and, and they, they got a little bit more of the ball, but Benfica still dominated. Uh, ba would get a, a, the, third Benfica, the third Benfica goal in the 71st minute, an individual run that he comes into the middle of the field, and he hits it with his left foot. Ball suffers a deflection, but still goes in. Nonetheless, something uh, encouraging for, for Ba, which is uh, a, a bit of a polarizing figure when it comes to what he does on each side of the ball, both on the offensive side and the defensive side. Uh, then some, some substitutions just to give guys some minutes, but at the end of the day, 3 nothing for Benfica. It was the, the, the result that we needed. Uh, another 3 nothing after uh, the game against the Roca, and now it's, it's been a few games uh, that Benfica has held clean sheets, right, Dave? You got those stats? You have stats on the game? I got the stats. On? Four four consecutive clean sheets here for, for Benfica. So we uh, got that going for us. It was our first, uh, I know we were on the road here for three straight weeks, so good to be back playing at home. I think the, the, the players really fed off that energy, starting right off from the uh, Almeida ceremony and the players 
really fell, uh, fed off that uh, energy at the Stade de Luz. So good to be playing back at home. Um, and then the only other stat here, Super Mario, I've got him. Uh, I think last week, one of the Freddies said that uh, João Mario was the new Monku master, and he's just putting up these uh, these goals this year. Scored another brace in consecutive matches, has now scored a goal in his last three matches, and is now the tied for the league leader in goals with uh, Gonzalo Ramos and uh, Fran Navarro with 12 goals um, this season and 16 across all competitions for João Mario. I'm going to give you this stat. This Chris, is a mind-boggling stat. You ready? Gonna steal, Dave? I'm gonna steal your moniker. Stats, all right. This is McClinch right stats. here. Yeah, it's gonna be Cristiano stats. Which is, bro. Ten years, twenty-eight goals. Half a season, sixteen goals. Yeah. That's bananas. Give that dude here. Here, he's going to get this, right? <laughs> the first one. <laughs> it, there it is. He's going to win. Forget the Ballon d'Or. This is it right here. Bro, it's oh. just, it's been, I don't know how he's doing it. But, yo, João Mario is balling. I know a bunch of Sportingistas who are like, yo, what the hell? I We never had that guy play for. Where'd you get that guy from? It's just, it's, it's just been spectacular. Dude's is, his confidence is through the roof. Um, He's really, you know, Helped out Benfica in a lot of these games. You saw, you know, Benfica wasn't really having much trouble with Casapia, but they weren't really creating crazy opportunities. And he gets to put that ball on net off of a cross back into the middle of the box from Devi Neff. And he's able to tuck it away, keep it low. That's difficult. It's difficult to do that. He's coming, he's going across his body, and he keeps the ball low and accurate on goal. Just, I mean, the dude's been. I've run out of superlatives to, 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 to emphasize how good he's been this year. It's just, it's been impressive, bro. I never in a million years thought this was the guy that that was that was on our squad. But, hey, credit to him. Whatever PZ, whatever water PZ was drinking at the side of the lose, this guy's definitely been drinking it lately. So let's let's keep that up. The only other question I had was for Dave. If you can, please, when you get a chance, or for the Freddies in the chat, uh, if you have this answer at hand, I mean, I'd appreciate it. How many non-penalty goals, like or, or how many penalty goals does he have? If you if you know the you know if you, if you I'll work that. on that. I know I, a lot I think of he's got to came... have either four or five, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm of... completely guessing that Champions League and Cup. I'm just talking about because he's got 16 goals on a year. He's got 12 yeah. on the league. How many in the league does he have? Um, Joao well. Mario has already scored more goals, uh, for Benfica than he has scored in his past stints at Sporting. Both at the B team and at the A team level for Sporting, Joe Mario's already scored more goals this season. At what, 28 and 10, that's less than three goals per season. Right. Plus three, and he's got 16 already in a half yeah. the season. So. 71%. Now, go ahead, Dave. <clears throat> no, I was just going to say, he is 30 years old, but the, uh, the way he's playing, do you think there's another move for him outside no. of Benfica, no. or this is it for him? No. Yeah, there is uh, Estrela da Madura in a couple of years. I think <laughs> that Jean uh, <clears throat> Mario comes across as a, as an intelligent individual, and after uh, pretty, I guess you could say, failed stints outside of Portugal, all over both in in England, in Italy, and in, in Russia, uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. He's just going to collect a paycheck. He's probably one of the guys that's making decent point at Benfica. I, I think I had this on me. I'll, I'll check it out right now. I think he's second. Uh, no, 
I think he might be Benfica's highest paid player. I'll tell you in one second. Give me one second. I'm able to get all this out. But uh, he, um, yeah, he, he'd be stupid. He's probably going to write it out, and I think that he, he may even uh, – he's got this affinity for Vittorio Stubel because that's where he made his senior debut. Uh, so maybe if Vittorio Stubel makes it up to the first division, maybe that's where he ends up. They're all the way in the third division, if I'm not mistaken, as a result of, of some financial shenanigans. They ended up in the third division. Uh, but really, uh, he's having a career year. Uh, he's he's a he's a he's a coach's player. Go ahead, Chris. The the well, the highest paid player at Benfica on a weekly wage of eighty two thousand two hundred a week. But you can't consider that. That's Julian Draxler, right? But after that, the highest paid player at Benfica is Joao Mario, sixty thousand two hundred eighty bucks weekly. Comes out to a salary of three point one three three million one hundred thirty four thousand five hundred sixty sixty dollars a year. And that's uh, gross, I believe. Yeah. Look, I I think that, as I mentioned, he's a a coach's player. He's a guy that's intelligent. He he knows how to read the game. Uh, He understands and interprets coaches' ideas pretty well. We've seen that with him under JJ at Sporting when he had clearly the best year up until now. And now you see him with Roger Schmidt. And he's one of those guys that – you know, he goes inside and, and he's able to interpret right away what the coach wants. And he's also, we've seen him from the, 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 the was it with the Amazon series, the Prime series uh, on uh, Benfica, that uh, he's a leader in the locker room. You watched that? I watched it, yeah. You're cheating, bro. I never watched it. You gave me the link. You haven't watched it? Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> you sent me the link hey, and Chris, you didn't I watch that, it. Uh... I got that stat for Hi, you. Dave. So he's got eight goals from the uh, PK spot. So he's got half and half exactly. If he's got sixteen uh, scored, he's got eight from the PK spot this hey, season. If, and most of those came at the first half of the season. If they count for Penaldo, why can't they count for uh, João Mario? Right? Of course. Seventy-one uh, percent <laughs> to twenty-nine percent of possession for Benfica. Uh, Casapi with seven shots on on for the game. None of them on goal. So. It, Dominating performance by Benfica. Uh, and now we uh, turn our attention to uh, to Braga. Uh, exciting. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Alfredo, the guys in the chat. Now, now you, you do your dudes for such. You put me on the board. You know what I mean? Now, they, they want the link. You want the they link? Want the, you got to go to my OnlyFans page and make a donation. Fucking A. That's if, the Chorizo link if, uh, um, if you go on your OnlyFans. Yeah. Um, DM Befica Podcast, uh, and I'll send you the link. All right? Royalties? No royalties. I'll I'll send the link. No, it's not copyright infringement. You just can't tell people where you got it from. (laughs) Yeah, but run a public forum. But send me, I mean, at least a a month or two ago was still up. I don't don't know if it's still up, but yeah. Send me send me a message. Send me send me a DM on Befica Podcast uh, Twitter, uh, and I will uh, I will send that to you guys. It's it's nice. It's nice. Uh, anyway, our attention now turns to Braga, Portuguese Cup quarters Thursday eight thirty at the Pedreira. Uh, let me remind everyone that Befica has yet to play a Portuguese Cup game at home. Uh, right, so in the early stages, the 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 lower teams or the lower division teams always get uh, to play at home. Uh, now that we have the draw, Benfica drew, uh, and uh, 
they're playing Braga away. Um, I'll start with you, Dave. What do, what are your expectations for this game? And you think that Benfica is is also in a different context now um, than they were when they last played the Braga? It's it's hard to say that you could make the argument the team's playing better, getting back to their pre World Cup form as. Uh, we mentioned, but uh, recently this Braga team has been giving us struggles. It's gone through waves where back 10 years ago when we were under JJ, we struggled with Braga. Then after JJ, I think we went on something like 15 straight victories against Braga. And now recently here in our last eight meetings, we've got two only two wins and six losses out of our last eight against Braga. So there's something there with, with Braga that they've had our, our number recently, but I hope uh, that that uh, that match that we had against Braga uh, at the beginning of January, just after the World Cup, is, uh, is still fresh in these players' minds. I mean, not that we're making excuses. Maybe Enzo, the, the whole Enzo saga had something to do with how uh, we showed up for that, that match, but um everything's on the table here for this uh this toss match uh and if they really want to go re and revenge their only loss of the season it's it's here they didn't have to wait that long to uh to do it uh and it really just falls on uh, on the team now to come home with uh the result um they're going to be going up against the old uh, manku master himself pts uh with braga now, so it's going to be a really interesting uh, match, and I, I, I still don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that this these last couple of weeks um, show the the form that we're showing here is is going to put us on the the right side. But on the flip side, like Chris has mentioned, it, it's Mankush that we've been playing against. So this is going to be a real good uh, litmus test to see if we truly are back on uh, that pre-World Cup form. Yeah, and, and Chris, uh, Dave mentioned uh, the Manco Master. Uh, Braga did lose Vitinha, but they added Bruma, which scored this past weekend, and Pizzi. How do you think uh, How do you think this leaves Braga? Are they, are they contenders for the title? Did they make themselves contenders for the title with these additions? <laughs> Well, they did lose Vitinha, a very key part of that of, of their offense. But with the additions of Bruma and, and, and Pizzi, you figured they'd have more, they'd be more than adequate to to, to replace his uh, offensive output. But as we saw this past week, um, the very first game that they played, they 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 dropped points, which kind of led you to start. What? I mean, at what? least myself. They didn't lose. They, I... didn't, they didn't drop points. Yes, they did. Braga lost. To Sporting, but then they, they came back and beat uh, Famalicão this past weekend. Yeah. Sporting was midweek last week, and then they they yeah. they, they, they beat Famalicão on, this, uh, on the weekend. What the hell was I thinking about? I just tweeted, bro, I don't know. I, it is, the, the league schedule is all messed up because of the, the tweet, league cup. I tweeted about it and, and, and had a nice reaction, but I tweeted about it about just when you start to think that Braga are, are serious contenders, they drop. I think it might have been, it might have been the Porta Sporting game. Then I yes. guess it was it then. But I remember saying that just when you thought that these guys were going to be um, a team to challenge Benfica and to really sit there to, to, you know, until the end of the season because – 
of the lack of pressure and the lack of attention that will be put on their club, as we saw with Sporting two seasons ago. There's no pressure. There's no not many eyes because obviously everybody's paying attention to what Benfica and Porto were doing. I, I realistically, honestly thought that they would be a challenger, but having dropped points, now Benfica sit, I believe, what is it, seven points ahead of them. I, I do start, you know, I started to think that maybe, just maybe, Benfica um, will start focusing a little bit more on our, you know, friends from up north than they're going to be doing it from the friends from really, really up north, which is what I'm. Different game, different context, Chris. Expect a win, or do you expect uh, an, another poor performance, bro, but a challenging time, performance? Every time we play these guys nowadays, I don't expect wins. I think it's going to be a hard fought, a hard, ugh, a hard fought game. We've seen even in the last time, I believe, when Benfica beat them, when Benfica got 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 outplayed by them in a the game that you guys referenced before, a game that you and I were at no name watching. Um, they got handed, you know, beat down 3-0. I believe the game before that, that they got smashed by Sporting as well, like 4-0 or something like Five that. 5-0, I believe. Something. And then the very next outing, these guys show up to play. We talk about it here on the Benfica podcast over and over and over and over and over again, which is these teams in Portugal, when they play Benfica, they know it's their Super Bowl. So I, I totally expect a totally different team on Thursday against Benfica, totally different performance than what we saw against Sporting. You have... The Orta brothers, now the PZs of the world. You have so many players with links to Benfica that want to show and prove that they're worthy. You have the Madeiros of the world with the sporting type. There's just these guys are the next kids that are trying to make their stand. They're trying to, you know, get their their graffiti up on the block, and they're gonna try to 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 cause all sorts of problems. And unfortunately, against Benfica, they've been able to do that lately. It's against the other bullies that they that they really cower down. But against us, man, they come out and they pump their chest, and and and, and they're a totally different team against us than what we've seen in previous uh, you know previous games of theirs against other opposition. Yeah, should be an interesting game, uh, and I think that uh, there shouldn't be much motivating from Roger Smith's part. I think that. He has to remind the players how poorly they played uh, in that in that game uh, when they were there last uh, a, a month or so ago, uh, and I think that you have to go on that. Uh, I think that at this point you also have to send a message because if you if you get out of the the Portuguese Cup, that's two domestic competitions that you've uh, that you've missed out on. Uh, not to mention. The, the historically our record of being in the Portuguese Cup final and winning it is not very favorable in the last I think the last 25 years we've won it three times uh, that is not something that as a Benfiquista you should be happy about but certainly I think that there's a message to be sent here to Braga that we are better than you and that was only an accident there was a day that the team was off that the, the players were off and I think that the players will be raring to go and raring to to set the record straight this time around. I hope it's just an accident, but the facts are these, Alfredo. In the last 10 games that Braga's played against Benfica, they won six. The last 10 games that they played against Football Porto, they won five. In the last 10 games that they played against Sporting, they've won two. So clearly, they either have Benfica's number or it's just a coincidence. But the fact is that they turn up for these games against Benfica. So it's going to be a very tough matchup once again. Benfica has to come in and show everybody that 
that performance December 30th, um, right? I believe it's the 30th or 34, whatever it was, that 3 nothing shellac and that Benfica realistically looked like they were outmatched the whole game. Benfica has to prove to the world and prove to themselves and prove to Braga that that was just, you know, it, it, it was one of those funk games, right? It, and it's not going to happen again. And hopefully these players do show up and they want to redeem themselves for that horrific performance that we saw that night at the Padre. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree there's uh, some redemption here uh, to be had, not to mention uh, if you beat Braga, I think then you get either Casapia or Nacional, if I'm not mistaken, right? You get the winner of that yeah. game, Dave. Uh, so that would be Nacional de Madeira. That would be the uh, the semifinal game. So, uh, it, you know, if we beat Braga, we put ourselves in a very good position to make it to the Jamor, to the final, uh, to most likely play against uh, Porto uh, because their their way is pretty easy as uh, as I'm looking at. I think they play Academico tomorrow, Jorge uh, Costa's team. Say that again, Chris? And then Rabo do Peixe at some point. Rabo do Peixe. <laughs> So, so yeah, so uh, yeah, it, it's important. It's important that Benfica gets back to the Jamor. It's important that Benfica wins the, the those titles because the the Portuguese cups are, are, are uh, the second most important trophy uh, in Portuguese football. Not the Taça de Liga for sure, uh, but certainly I think that the the team will be ready to go and Roger Schmidt will have these boys prepared regardless of whether Chiquinho plays in the middle or not. Uh, I think that uh, the team. Right now, I see the team uh, entering a, a very good phase of form, and I hope that it continues because we got Porto on the horizon not too far after now. Um, this weekend, there will be no game. Uh, Befica has already played this um, the game from this weekend. On Wednesday, Befica will travel to Belgium to play Club Bruges, so we'll get a chance to uh, talk about that on next Tuesday's podcast. Um in terms of, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Rui Costa uh, interview. Rui Costa explained the transfer market. He went into detail in terms of what happened uh, with Enzo. Uh, and I think that uh, if you um, if you weren't too happy with Enzo's exit and you were cursing him out, I think after Rui Costa's explanation in terms of it came down to the last hour, Chelsea had agreed to pay $100 million uh, for Enzo, not 120, with the agreement that they would pay his salary until the end of the year, um, and he could stay at Befica and finish out the season. Uh, at that time, I think that uh, from what Ricosta well, said, he offered uh, more money, so Enzo wasn't really going to lose a cent out of the whole deal. He was still going to get paid. Uh, to remain at Benfica, and Enzo's wish was that he wanted to move right away. So if you didn't hate Enzo before, you should be hating him now. Uh, you should be pissing on that guy and spitting on that guy every time you see him. Uh, but certainly, I think that Rui was very forthcoming in terms of what the club's strategy was in the transfer window, uh, what the plans were for Enzo, and he said so. As a Benfiquista, I'm, I'm sad to see Enzo go, uh, but as a president, the moment a player man manifests the wishes of not being here or not wanting to be here, he's done. 
Uh, and when uh, Rui Costa came to that conclusion after he had the conversation with Enzo or his agent or whatever, he said this player can no longer uh, play for Benfica, and hence the reason why he didn't travel up to Aroca to play. Uh, not because he was being protected, but because at that time the player already manifested his wish of not continuing at the club. Uh, and as Rui Costa mentioned, if you don't want to be here, Hey, we're not going to force you to be here. Uh, so you're not going to be part of this club and you're not going to go back into the locker room. So, Chris, thoughts on, on some of the things that uh, Rui Costa mentioned? I, we already mentioned here in the last week about how Benfica should have done a little bit better and, and gotten somebody to replace a, uh, Enzo. Should have had already somebody uh, in the spot ready to go. What are your thoughts on some of the what the president's words were? Well, first, I just want to say that you were obviously, uh, to the youngsters listening to the podcast, that Alfredo was obviously uh, just joking around and kidding. He obviously doesn't condone any type of violence. And <laughs> spitting, Alfredo was just joking. He, and nobody here on the podcast or Freddy's, we don't, none of us condone any of that. Alfredo's just a jokester. But um, to answer your question more directly, look, um, I don't know, Alfredo, I, I, I feel, I feel, I have mixed feelings about the whole situation. I, I, I appreciate what Ricosta did. It was a lot clearer than anything we've gotten in years past. Yeah. So it's obviously a start. So we should applaud that. Um, but a, but a piece of me, a piece of me feels that it, it was a little bit too much in terms of too transparent. You think? No, no. Or in too much of, explaining. No. In terms of 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 shitting on, on Enzo. I mm. thought it was thought it was a little bit of look at me, I tried everything I can, it's not me. And and again, I, I feel that's the truth, no? It, it might be the truth. It very well might be the truth. But I feel that a president of a club, a club such as Benfica, I think sometimes you have to be wiser in choosing your words. And I say that because we are not the sharks of European football. We don't have very deep pockets, and every little message, every little word comes out of a president of a club. This is not a coach who's fired, is gone. You know, every you could fire a coach every six months if you want, every other month. This is the president of a club, and I feel that a lot of times things of this nature can be used in recruiting your players. And I know some of you think I'm completely crazy, and some of you will just shrug it off, and, and I'm not – faulting Ricosta. I'm not saying he's unprofessional. I'm not, but I just, I wish he wouldn't have gone as far as he did. I think there is a, there's a line, right? He could have just had the same transparency. Look, we tried everything we can, but he basically dumped the whole bag on Enzo. And was it because that was realistically the only truth or was it more so of covering my ass so i wish he would have still I, I understand i wish he still would have you know look you know we try to keep uh, enzo at all costs but unfortunately we couldn't agree he just really dumped everything on denzo and i thought that you know players remember such things you know there's rumors now that otamendi has decided to push his renewal until the end of the season and again regardless of whether you want the guy to come back or not come back you know, it, it just speaks to what I'm heading towards, which is, was that due to maybe he was disappointed himself in the way that 
the president treated one of his teammates, one of his brothers, a guy that he's gone to battle with at Befica at the World Cup. We don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. But at the end of the day, I do think that a president has a certain way to carry himself. And I think coming out in the public and shitting on players is probably not the road I would have liked. Uh, to see my president take. No, look, uh, I, I appreciate the candor, and I certainly understand what you're saying, right? The president needs to carry himself, you know, as as a leader of uh, of a club. Uh, there's some professionalism and some ethical things that kind of need to be um, to be. To, he needs to to have that behavior. I get that, but let's not forget that um, that Rui Costa is, uh, along with being a president, he's also a fan. He's a Benfiquista. He's a hardcore Benfiquista like many of us. Uh, and perhaps his, his inexperience let, as a manager or as a president, let a little bit of that fanboy come out. Uh, I think that he did very well in, in explaining because uh, there was a lot of stories that were circulating in a paper that we didn't know whether it was true or not. And I think that by who caused the coming out and, and, and being honest and being transparent and really laying out the facts as they happened, I think that Benfica needed to know the truth. Now, I do understand what you're saying, Chris. As a president, you have to conduct yourself in a certain manner, but a certainly uh, I appreciate the candor. I appreciate the, the fact that he laid it out. I do understand that there's there's sometimes there may be repercussions of 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 presidents shitting on players and players taking that to heart or saying hey i, I don't want that guy to shit on me but the truth of the matter is that he did his dirty it's a two-way street does 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 the president go out there and shit on himself when they push a player out the door because they know they no longer want him because the player doesn't perform to the level that the club expects him to? I just feel that there's a two-way street here, and I think you have to be professional. You said he's a fan. I love the fact he's a fan, but at the end of the day, do you want a president who's a fan or a president who's smart with his words yeah. and a president that knows how to run an organization? Want a combination of both. Not, calm down. I'm calm down. Let me finish. Because you got you got a guy that, in terms of business wise, he's a tremendous president. A guy from our neighbors, our crosstown rivals, but he's too big of a fan. He let his mouth get in the way and it got him in trouble. A lot of Benfiquistas, and I've had these conversations with a ton of Benfiquistas over the years that did not want uh, Rui Gomes da Silva to be president because exactly because of the same reason. Because he's too much of a fan. Because he lets his emotions get in the way. Now we're praising a guy. For letting his emotions get in the way just because you disagree with the player's choice. At the end of the day, I stated it here and I'll state it again. Before Enzo ever, forget Benfica, before he stepped foot in Portugal, he let everybody know what his intentions were. Right? Does it suck? Absolutely. But it was a tremendous, I mean, business-wise, in four months at the club, the guy made you seventy over 70 million euros. And again, it's not the ending that we would have wanted. But again, let the fans have that reaction for my president and again he's done a tremendous job so far credit to Rick Austin you know that's my I'm not criticizing not criticizing his work but I just wish he would have taken a different tone with regards to Enzo he just dumped it all on him and listen man at the end of the day you didn't have to sell him right if you really felt that strong you didn't have to sell him and I get Enzo had words, and, and I got this confirmed by various people. He had words 
with Rui. He had words with, with Roger. I really think that he was trying to stir up the pot. He was very disrespectful. He wanted out. I understand that. But I just want my president to be a little bit more calculated because, believe it or not, guys, there are agents and players around the world that will go back when it's term, you know, to make a decision. Do I go here? Do I go there? Everybody takes everything into account. And, and, and this could be one of the things that maybe backfires and doesn't get you a player you want down the road. No, I, I certainly understand where you're coming from. Uh me on the other way, uh, on the other hand, I, uh, I'm grateful. Uh, as a, as a fan, you love it. As if like as fans, we we love it, right? It shows that the president is is with us, and and shows uh, that uh, he feels what how how we felt with the whole saga. But as a as a president, as a businessman, I, I see where Cristiano is coming from. You got to be more. You got to be more smart with your words. Maybe hire a, uh, a PR firm to let you kind of write that uh, script. So when you're you're on the national television, you uh, I, you're more politically yeah, correct I, about the whole situation. I get that. But behind behind closed doors, say whatever you need to say. Tell the player to go to yeah. hell or whatever you need to. Uh, I get that. Do. But as fans, we love it. As a as a businessman, probably could have could have done it better but hey what we've asked for transparency and now we get transparency and kind of want to poo poo on him too so got to get a, a little balance of both i guess yeah no look i i, I get that i i get that uh he needed to set the set the story straight but maybe he could have done um in another way but yet yeah, uh, i think that the the narrative needed to be controlled uh, and he did well to control the narrative, albeit not in the most politically correct um, for some people. Uh, I thought it was just fine. I didn't think anything of it, but I do understand where Chris is coming from. And I, I do understand what kind of precedent it sets uh, for future players. Uh, but maybe it's, you know, it's a message too. you know, don't don't use Benfica or don't mention Benfica as a trampoline the minute you land in Lisbon. Uh, let this be a club where you want to be at. Uh, we talked about that at length when he signed and he made those, when he signed and he was at the airport and he made those comments. You and I and Dave, we talked about that at length throughout the whole podcast, which was Benfica themselves can tell this guy in negotiate, yo, come here, bro, sign with us in a couple months, bro, in a year, you'll be gone. But they also, Benfica themselves also have to be smart and tell them, look, can't say that shit publicly. And obviously someone along the lines felt to transmit them that message. So it, it's not just a, well, when you come here, don't say it, bro. At the end of the day, everybody's Dave said a PR office, a PR firm, and maybe has to get involved because these things, it, it, words matter. Words matter here. I get okay? it. Okay. People have to be a little bit smarter in choosing those words. Now we appreciate Rui Costa. We love him for, for, for the transparency. As Dave said, this is exactly what we've asked for for I don't know how many years now, and we're getting it. And I'm not complaining about his transparency. I love the fact that he came out, but it's just the tone in which he said it. Yeah. That's yeah. the only thing here that maybe I would have liked, you know. A little bit to toned be down. Yeah. Um, yeah, but. Uh, I get this. This might be a question for the end of the season when we do a, a recap, but. We we still have to think that Enzo was only supposed to be coming 
here in January, right? Because of the whole Copa uh, Libertadores. And if Valles didn't beat him, he was only coming in in January, right? So I think maybe at the end of the season, we can ask the question whether we whether we should have had it or whether we would have preferred him in the first or the second half of the season. But yeah. we have to still think like he wasn't only, he was only supposed to be coming to us here in January and he's already out the door by, by February. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, definitely a topic at the end of the season in terms of, you know, what, what our assessment uh, was of Enzo's contribution. Uh, and certainly the, uh, the great champions league group stages campaign that we had. I mean, uh, he was a huge contributor. He was Benfica's best player for for a while, um, but uh, you know we'll we'll see we'll see. Uh, but anyway, uh, happy with uh, what was said and how was how it was explained uh, as a fan. But I do understand uh, what Chris is saying. Anyway, uh, real quick, uh, Nunu M had asked about uh, he's going to Portugal in April, and he asked about how to get uh, tickets for the Porto game. Um, it, those are going to be tough, man. Those are going to be tough because, especially if Pifiga continues uh, with the form uh, that they're that they have so far, uh, there's going to be a lot of people looking uh, after those tickets. If if you're I'll a sus, I'll, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead, Chris. I'll, I'll, I'll make it a lot easier. If you're looking for two tickets, DM me, bro, for that game. DM. We'll talk. Okay. That's it. Um, the, I'll just I'll just say it just in case people are, are also hey, listening. Um, the biggest thing I think is if you're a sauce, you, uh, you got a much easier time in getting the tickets because there's a lot of people that are going to be looking either to sell their red pass and Benfica's aftermarket because Benfica does have a red pass aftermarket, meaning uh, if you're not going to the game, uh, Benfica will sell it for you and then return some of that money for you. Or, uh, I think on Twitter, there's a hashtag or I forget what the hashtag is, is, or some shit like that uh, and you have a better chance of, of doing that but uh, if you know somebody with the red pass that's not going to the game they could uh, they could transfer the, the seats to you provided they, they would want to do that but Befica does have that aftermarket of red passes but considering the magnitude of the game the context of the game I think those are going to be hard to come by for more people that are looking for them. And you can probably get onesie twosies here and there of guys that are not going, but it's going to be difficult. But but anyway, um, hit, hit me up. Yeah, DM. But that's it. But uh, Christiana's got connections, so you never know. Uh, anyway, what else we got? We got anything else, Chris? Oh, just uh, real quick. Um, I guess you know talking about not being remiss just wanted to mention the situation in, in Turkey and in Syria uh, with the earthquakes and all the devastation and and the loss of life over there just want to give a big shout out to uh, to people out there that are that are struggling uh, and for relatives I mean we, we've heard of the history or the stories about uh, Christian Atsu uh, who was a player that played in Portugal uh, and also a few other players uh, JJ is also I mentioned that the, the devastation uh, in Turkey has is, is been uh, really a lot more than what people have been, been able to see on TV. But certainly our, our thoughts uh, are with the, the folks of uh, Turkey and, and Syria that have been affected by this catastrophe. Um, what else? 
I don't think I have anything else. Chris? Shout out to the to the Freddies, Brian Peterson, Valadon Diogo, Reyes, Red Baron, uh, Flavi Freda, Nick Valadon, the Valadon Brothers. The Valadon Brothers. It's like a tag team in wrestling. The Valadon Brothers. Bob the Builder. You know, we, we Nelson, we really appreciate. Um, yeah, of course. Your, don't forget to drop a like. Okay? Like, you said. <laughs> like and subscribe if you have it. Like and subscribe. It, it, hel okay. it helps the algorithm. Right, whatever that means. Um, what that mean? Yeah. All that good um, what else we got? I was about to say something. In oh, uh, oh, oh, shout out to Hugo for hosting me and Cristiano this past Saturday to watch the Benfica game. Um, so I happy, was happy to. Uh, Where is he tonight? He's usually in the chat. He's, uh, he, I don't know. Maybe he's still, maybe he's still cleaning. Uh, he's what? Hence why I didn't say, I didn't mention his name on the face that he came in. He just wants to hear his name and then he bounces. Is that what it is? <laughs> you, you gave him the pleasure. I did it. No, I, I just, uh, you know, he did, did a wonderful job in, in hosting us. Thank you very much, Hugo. I don't care what Cristiano says about you. And trust me, he says a lot of shit. But anyway. Anyway, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, all the Freddies that were in, a, in the chat. Thank you for the interesting conversation. Sorry we didn't get to answer some of your questions. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. We'll recap this, uh, this uh, Braga game, and we'll look ahead to uh, the knockout stages of the Champions League for Benfica. Thank you very much. Carrega, everybody. Take it easy. Dave, always nice to see you, brother. Later. Take care, guys. <laughs>